Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our study we're doing regarding the Catholic Church, uh, the real word, meaning of the word Xmas, Christmas, uh, which we got into in the part one. Then we segued into now the part we're doing regarding the Pope and his new evangelism program, and we're really starting to key in now on this Mother Mary. In New Age circles, she's known as Master Mary. Now, what happened is I had an engagement I had to go to last night, and so it's been over a day, and I've been scrambling to try to get back to where I can actually restart the study again. And in the meantime, more information has come in that heavily relates to the study, which is probably the very reason that the Lord had all this happen the way it is, because the stuff that I'm actually added in is very confirmatory, very pivotal regarding the subject matter that we're getting into today. Primarily focusing in on the Catholic Church, and even more specifically, the Catholic Mary. And I don't mean the Mary in the Bible as much as they want to try to portray her as that. It's not the same Mary. It's their essentially their version of the Queen of Heaven. And um, picking up from where we left off yesterday, and we're, we're on about page 6 of the PDF for... Uh, this particular teaching for December 11, 2011. And um, we're going to pick up today regarding the section entitled The New Age. Uh, There's a New Age site. Then, and this is from a New Age website regarding who they refer to as Ascended Master Mary. It's the same Mary of the Catholic Church. Um, it's the same Queen of Heaven, false knockoff, counterfeit, Mary of the Catholic Church. Just a little different flavor. Okay, What do the New Agers have to say about her? Well, Ascended, Ascended Master Mary is known to Christians the world over as the Virgin Mary. Now, this is from a New Age site. Okay, I got a lot of this information specifically relating also from the same sites that talk about Maitreya and all of the different uh, ascended masters that are supposedly out there waiting in the wings to make their big debut um, on humanity and to bring us into the glorious new age, to take us out of the age of Pisces and bring us into the age of Aquarius, um, blah, 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 all these lies that they're purporting to uh, say. And when they make their big debut, they're going to appear with their cadre of UFOs and these types of things. And it's going to be shock and awe. It's going to be um, order out of chaos, because most likely this isn't going to happen until a lot of chaos has occurred. And then the New World Order, Satan is going to bring about his New World Order on the heels of the Old World Order. And so they're going to come like the saviors of the planet. Well, Ascended Master Mary is one of these Ascended Masters that is slotted to make you know, her big debut. Other, other Ascended Masters, Saint Germain, um, uh, obviously... Um, Maitreya is, is one of them. Um, they have their false Jesus one called a San, Sananda Emmanuel, or who they term as Master Jesus. We've talked a lot about him, and <clears throat> he's a total counterfeit knockoff of the Jesus Christ of the Bible. And if you want to know specifically more about any Ascended Masters I might have talked on, just key in the actual name of the Ascended Master, like Master Jesus would be a good one, into this search box at contendingfortruth.com, and um, our homepage, essentially, 
and you'll be able to find where I've talked about different and various ones. So, going further, let's see what the New Age site says. Ascended Master Mary is known to Christians the world over as the Virgin Mary, mother of Jesus the Christ. She serves as the Master who embodies and seeks to anchor the earth um, in the feminine and divine mother aspects of creation. So it has a lot to do with about the divine mother, the feminine aspect, you know, uh, of that. They have their yin and yang. You have to balance male with female and fire and ice and all this garbage. This is what Taoism is based out of. Uh, okay. She can be called upon to assist all mothers to be in bringing forth new life. So I guess that's like if you're pregnant, you can call upon this fallen angel to help you out with your childbirth process. I really wouldn't advise it though, unless you want to have like the demon seed of Davy Jones coming out. Because it's not going to be a good scenario if you're calling upon ascended masters, devils, demons, fallen angels to help you out with the childbirth process. Just a kind of an FYI there. So, um, she, she's called upon to assist all mothers to be in bringing forth new life, regardless of their religion. So again, you, you'll see that a lot. You'll see a lot of no, no religious barriers here. All those are done away with. The only pesky ones are those born-again Bible-believing Christians that believe that you know, we can only be saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We can only go through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I mean, you know, for God so loved his world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, no, no, we, we can't have that. That's exclusivity. We can't have any of that. We can't have exclusivity. We have to have inclusivity. It has to be an all-inclusive club. Well, the Bible says, broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. Narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Well, that's pretty much the same deal here. I'm just confirming to you what's really totally painfully obvious regarding their dogma, regarding the lies that they propagate, regarding their version of salvation, which will only lead you to hell. Okay, so let's go further. Uh, then it goes on to say, She is full of love, wisdom, and compassion, and presides over all births. Right. She, it, it, the truth be known, um, there's a lot of deities, particularly like in abortion clinics and these types of things, and they, they literally, the witches and warlocks and these types of high-level occultists that own the abortion clinics, literally... To view the sacrifices going on in the abortion clinics as sacrifices to a given deity they worship. One of the main ones is Lilith, and there's Moloch, and there's Chemish, and there's Artemis, various Marduk, various ones from antiquity till now, um, repackaged. Lilith being more of a female type of deity, you would actually. They call it literally holy ritual child sacrifice. You've actually, if you want to know more about that subject, just key in uh, uh, abortion, the Holocaust of abortion, or just abortion in the keyword search box on my homepage. And I've done a whole study on that, how, how there's this unbelievably high percentage of people that actually are high-level occultists that own the abortion clinics. And they view those sacrifices that are occurring there to their given deities and gods. So I, I find it, ironic here that it says that, you know, she presides over all births. Yeah, to whenever she can to probably try to, you know, destroy the child or defile the child or, 
you know, push the mother to abort the baby, if the truth be known. Why? Because Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And his servants and his minions have the same agenda. Kill, steal, destroy. You know, abortion would fall under that banner. So let's go further. Then it goes on to say, although Christians know Master Mary as the Virgin Mary, she, like all ascended masters, cares not about your religious beliefs. Wow. So we really know this is definitely the Mary of the Bible. I mean, because she, you know, she didn't care about anybody's religious beliefs. She just, you know, let go, let God, that whole thing, you know, whatever you believe. No, that's not the Mary of the Bible. Obviously not. So we know this is just a fake, knockoff, counterfeit version, just like the Catholic version is of the Mary um, in the Bible. So, Mother of Jesus, that Mary, because there's different ones. So anyway, let's go further. Uh, she is the embodiment of the feminine principle and can be called upon to strengthen your heart and fill it with compassion and unconditional love for all humanity. Okay, so just pure lies, total lies. But you can see why people will get hooked into this whole New Ager thing, you know, looking at it like, oh, wow, it's all about peace and love and, you know, karmic mantras and contemplating your belly button in a lotus position while spitting marbles out of your mouth. I mean, you know, fun stuff like that. You know, this is what it's really uh, about. But it has a big appeal to people because, you know, they're like, oh, Religions don't matter. It's it's all about love and compassion, and the problem is, is it's lies, and it's something that you want to avoid like the plague. But it's also something you want to be aware of, because the deception that's coming is going to be so great and so overwhelming and so filled with lying signs and wonders. You, a, a good bit of education can only help you. This is why the Bible says in Second Corinthians two eleven, lest. Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We do not want to be ignorant of his devices. We don't want to be destroyed for lack of knowledge, like the Bible says in Hosea 4, 6. You know, we want to expose and reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and have no fellowship with them. But if you don't know about them, how can you expose them, reprove them, or make them manifest, as the Bible commands us to do? How can we earnestly contend for the faith when we're totally unaware of how to defend the faith in a particular area? So let's go further. Now, we're going back to the article now of the new evangelization, evangelization program via the Pope. Uh, the, American, the American representative for this program, meaning the Pope's evangelization program, where he's promoting Mary and all of her fake, false, lying apparitions and whatever else is coming out of this devil's mouth, the American representative is Bishop Ricken from Wisconsin. I got a little picture of him here. You can see he has been elected as the new chairman to the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops Committee for Evangelization and Catechesis. Wow, now that's a word. That's a word we should all try to use this week, actually. Try to in, in, uh, incorporate the word catechesis into your vocabulary this week. I'm just kidding. Easy. Anyway, so the European is the Cardinal Schoenborn. So there's two representatives. There's one in America and there's one in Europe. Uh, he is one of the first members assigned to the new Vatican Department called the Pontifical Council for Promoting the New Evangelization. They always have these real high and lofty uh, official sounding names. So, while perhaps many 
see the significance of the appointments of these two men by the Pope, those who take Bible prophecy seriously in the last days will be characterized, um, will believe that the last days will be characterized by lying signs and wonders. This would include appearances of a woman claiming to be Mary, the mother of Jesus. Therefore, this announcement is very significant because both men have a great interest with apparitions of Mary. Further, it appears that both men see how these appearances could be useful in the Roman Catholic Church's evangelistic efforts to lead people to the Roman Catholic Jesus. See, that's what this is all about. What is this all about? What is almost everything we ever talk about, about, in some way, shape, or form, usually, when it comes to false religion in particular, it's about getting you into hell, and then the lake of fire for eternity. Because that's really, when, it, when if you boil everything down, that's all that Satan and his minions would really care about. Because they know that's their destination, and they want to take as many people with them as humanly possible, or as demonically possible, in this case. So, again... They're, they're keen in on the appearances of these Marian apparitions, these lying signs and wonders to, to bring people back to the mother harlot whore of the Catholic Church. Therefore, this announcement is very significant because both men have great in, uh, interest in the apparitions of Mary. Further, it appears that both men see how these appearances could be useful in the Roman Catholic Church's even evangelistic efforts to lead people to the Roman Catholic Jesus. From a biblical perspective, this is not evangelism. This is outright deception that is authored by Satan to lead people to another Jesus and another gospel by another spirit. It was the name Bishop Ricken, now this is the man writing this article, it was the name Bishop Ricken that caught my attention when I read the article about the Roman Catholic Church's plan to use the appearances of Mary to enhance the new evangelization program. I had heard of Ricken before from other articles I read. Bishop Ricken shared the platform with Greg Laurie in Wisconsin at a citywide life, lifeist even evangelistic crusade in the spring of 2011 in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. It is also a fact that Bishop Ricken investigated and approved an apparition of Mary that supposedly occurred 150 years ago at Door County, Wisconsin, known as, quote, Our Lady of Good Help. So, I guess Bishop Ricken has a time machine, and he popped back 150 years ago to Door County, Wisconsin, and he must have been able to observe this Our Lady of Good Help false demonic apparition from the pit of hell, and then give his, you know, stamp of approval on it. Though that's what he did, you know. I mean, it's, it sounds biblical to me. I don't know about you all. I mean, come on. I did that last week. I approved an apparition. Come on. I Taylor Taylor approved one last week too. I mean, we just, you know, we've got it. We got it. You know, you, you got to multitask in life with what we found. Oh, you you got three. You did. You approved three. Yeah. Okay. Last week. Anyway, just kidding. But you know, it's just the insanity of the whole thing. It's like, oh, okay, you're going to approve apparitions. Um, now, again, too, whenever apparitions are approved, if, if these apparitions ever do speak, obviously, whatever they say is recorded. Never, 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 never did these apparitions point to the Word of God or the Jesus Christ of the Bible as the sole source of truth. There's, it, it may, they may mention Jesus, or they may mention the Bible, maybe, rarely ever, 
But they're always going to point you, point you also to some other source of truth, or some other co-redeemer like Mary, or these types of things. And therefore, you know that they're liars. Because you just compare it with what the Word of God says, and it doesn't line up, and you, you, know, you know they're liars. So going further, uh, <clears throat> now people are flocking to this apparitional site endorsed by Bishop Rickon as they believe this is a legitimate and holy place. So what does this mean? Will people who attend the meeting in Wisconsin, where Laurie and Rickon both spoke on the same platform, be somewhat confused? What if there are those who attended the lifest ecumenical meetings who are now convinced that Rickon's program to promote Marian apparitions is a good thing with regard to the new evangelization, with Mary being the centerpiece. Well, of course, this is the whole thing. This is the whole thing of forming the one world religious, uh, um, the one world religion under Antichrist. It's already happening. You're starting to see the Catholic Church and um, factions of the so-called Christian Church yoking up. And getting on the same team and getting on the same page. But trust me, it's not going to be the all these other Protestant denominations that the Catholic Church comes under. No, 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 no. When that all happens, it's going to be all these Protestant 501c3 corporate denominations going back to their mother is how the Catholic Church will view it. Like little chicks coming home to roost. That's how it's going to happen. It's not going to be the other way around. So let's go further here. Uh, apparently, Ricken and his colleague from Europe plan to promote the Marian apparitions as a, mean of po- as a means of pointing people to the Eucharistic Jesus. As the article states, Bishop Ricken has boldly acted boldly in the United States with the approval of an apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In Europe, Cardinal Schoenborn has acted fearlessly as well with his activities. Both men charged with revitalization of the Catholic faith have courageously taken that acknowledges taken action that acknowledges the supernatural presence of Our Lady, and importantly, her mother in the role, her motherly role, in leading us to her son. So again, it's the Catholic Mary and it's the Catholic Jesus. It's not the Catholic, it's not the Mary of the Bible or Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the First and the Last. It's a different version altogether here. So they're pointing people to their Eucharistic Jesus. Meaning, again, like I described further, the Jesus that's still up on the cross, the Jesus that literally is transformed bodily into the Eucharistic host, that they literally worship like an idol in the Catholic Church. Through the doctrine of transubstantiation, these Catholic priests believe they have the power to literally change the body and blood of Jesus Christ into the wine and the Eucharistic Catholic communion host. So this is how delusional they are. Since Greg Laurie shared the platform in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, at the lifest celebration with Bishop Ricken, much more has happened. Ricken has now been promoted to be a key player in the Pope's new evangelization program. Note, Greg Laurie is best known as a Calvary Chapel pastor. His church is listed on the Calvary Chapel website. I'll give you a link here if you want to check it out. And Lori often speaks at Calvary Chapel functions. Uh, this is kind of pretty disturbing. Now, there's a couple more articles here if you want to know more about Greg Laurie. Uh, one of them is entitled, Greg Laurie Connects the Purpose Driven, meaning the Rick Warren Purpose Driven 
church to a move of God and gives financial support for it. Then there's another link. 2009 National Worship Conference brings contemplative Christians, Greg Laurie and Sweet together. Sweet is another one that um, is the emerging, the new, basically like new age contemplative Christianity, which is incorporating more and more and more of these Catholic, a lot of these ancient Catholic Catholic uh, doctrines and things of this into their teachings, into how they're saying that we should uh, worship God in these types of things. Um, and I've done some specific studies on that as well. But this is where we're, what we're seeing, how we're seeing the Catholicism and these Protestant movements coming together again. So, it is well known that the Jesuits are behind the devotion to our, quote, Lady of Peace, also called the Queen of Heaven. That leads to the promotion of the Eucharistic Jesus. Now, this is all straight from the pit of hell. Everything I'm describing here, okay? Uh, This will be an important part of developing a one-world religion of peace that will usher in the Antichrist. Okay, for more information about this, there's a book written um, called The Queen of All, How Marian Apparitions Plan to Unite the World Religions by Tetlow, Oakland, and Myers. And I actually I give you a link here. I haven't read the book. Can't say I would uh, probably agree with everything they say, but it looks like a pretty good study on this specific subject. So, um, anyway. According to the book of... Re- now, I think this is a description of this book. Uh, according to the book of Revelation, a woman will reign over the kings of the earth in the final days. The apostle John marveled with great amazement when he saw the woman in his heart, who says, I sit as queen, Revelation 18.7. Who is this queen? Is she the queen of heaven? How could she possibly encompass nations and kingdoms? What will be her fate and the fate of those who follow her? Will signs and wonders associated with the queen of all, or this queen of heaven, and her son, the Eucharistic Jesus usher in the Eucharistic reign of Jesus, the false Jesus, who I believe will be, who the ascended masters call Sananda Emmanuel, or Master Jesus. And again, I've done whole studies on that subject. Uh, The Queen of Rome, the Queen of Islam, the Queen of all, the Marian apparitions plan to unite all religions under the Roman Catholic Church. This book documents who the queen is and the role she will play to prepare the counterfeit bride for the counterfeit Christ. So, it looks like it really lines up with what we're talking about today here. And, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, okay, little slight technical difficulty there, now we're back. Uh, therefore, the questions that should be asked by these, uh, by these. Okay, number one. Would Greg Laurie endorse the Roman Catholic Jesuit uh, Bishop Ricken by sharing the platform with him at the Life Lifeless Gathering in Oshkosh? Well, obviously he did. Is Laurie aware of the damage he has done by forming this association? Or is this just part of a much larger game plan that has not yet been revealed? Absolutely. Now, there's a picture here of Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel founder, Rick Warren, and Greg Laurie. All sitting there. And Greg Laurie's looking, they're in some stadium, and they're on, like, you know, up toward the front, it looks like, and Chuck Smith is sitting there, and Greg Laurie's looking over like a sly snake. I mean, this guy, I don't know. And then Rick Warren's over there smiling for the camera. But they're all together here. And (laughs) the more I study this, the more it becomes 
totally flagrantly obvious to me that this is all by design, and these people have been pre-positioned here by Satan, most likely through the Illuminati, or whatever handlers that they have, and they are in these specific positions of leadership in the pseudo-Christian church for this very reason, in order to bring about the coming one world religion under Antichrist. They've all been prepositioned. So let's go further. This is uh, Greg, Chuck, and Rick. <laughs> Picture there, you can look. Uh, one could ask, why does Lori, Greg Lori, link hands with Rick Warren, who has linked hands with Rome through Tony Blair and the P-E-A-C-E plan, peace plan? Now, again, if you want to know about Rick Warren, just key in Warren, again, in the search box, you'll see all kinds of studies I've done on him. The Bible clearly teaches there will be a counterfeit bride prepared for a counterfeit Christ in the last days. Shouldn't the church of Jesus Christ be warned about this rather than covering up Satan's plans? I mean, what would you think Jesus would say? I mean, Jesus said, be not deceived. Particularly regarding the end times. When he, when he spoke on the end times. It was his biggest thing. Usually the first thing out of his mouth. So, most people don't have a clue about this stuff, though, unfortunately, that will call themselves Christians. So it is, it really is, and I understand most people aren't going to be receptive in these types of things. Well, I view it like Ezekiel 3 and 33. You know, you give them the information, pray about it before you give it to them. If you think you need to fast about it, fast, because sometimes you can't get through to somebody unless you pray or fast. Uh, Jesus Christ said there are certain types of devils that will not go out but by prayer and fasting. And, coincidentally enough, that's the very verse that's taken out of most of the false Bible versions, so you don't know about that. Did you know that? Yeah, they take that whole part about fasting out. Because the devil don't want you to know that. Anyway, so, I think that he would rather us be educated. That's just my opinion. But, you know, some people would say ignorance is bliss. I just don't find a lot of Bible for it. So let's go further. So, and then the last question, and shouldn't Christian leaders be concerned about the fruit of being unequally yoked together with, with those with an unbiblical agenda? Like I said before, if you go to a church... A 501c3 corporate church which is yoked up and created by the government is bad enough, which is what 99% of all churches are, at least 99%. Okay, other than, I know that home churches particularly aren't there. Uh, but that's bad enough. And then the denominational system is also bad enough because there's no real Bible for denominations. Where we're, you know, the Bible talked about this, like one says I am Paul, one says I am of Apollo. And the Bible really condemned that in the New Testament, that whole factions of different Christians and having different dogmas that they believe in and, and then having their own little biblical cliques. I don't see any Bible for it. So that's also bad enough. So you have the denominational system, you have the fact that they're 501c3 corporate institutions that were created by the government, then you have all the pastors that have all of their state licensing in order to be able to preach the word of God. Really don't see a lot of Bible for that either. Then they're reading their false Bible versions from behind the pulpit and they've incorporated all kind of worldly programs and yoked themselves up with the world, and then they desire to be seeker-friendly, really don't see a lot of Bible for that either. You know, so, <laughs> it's, um, if you go to one of these churches, you cannot think that this isn't going to affect you spiritually. Well, no, it won't affect me. I'm tough enough. Well, um, you're lying to yourself, is all I can say. I've been there. And you do have a certain blindness that tends to come over you the longer you stay in a given 
one of these churches. I'm not saying they're all bad, but I'm saying that a ton of them will fit one of those criteria that I just went over. It's a fact of life. People ask me, where do we go? I don't know. I don't know. You have to pray and fast about it. It's an individual thing. I don't know what to tell you about that. I don't have a network I can refer to. There's very little few pockets I could ever tell you. I mean, you know, of, of churches maybe on a tiny regional area that I might know about. But there's, most of the time, the vast majority of the time, I don't know what to tell people. Um, regarding that, I wish I had a better answer, but I don't have all the answers. And... Um, Unfortunately, this is the way it is in the end times that we're in right now. So, going further, now I give you actually my teachings I did on Rick Warren. One of them is entitled Rick Warren Leading Apostate Christianity Straight Into Hell. I know it's a nice subtle title, anyway. Uh, and then Rick Warren and Rupert Murdoch, Saddleback's most infamous member. Did you know Rupert Murdoch's actually a member of his church? Rupert Murdoch, one of the most evil men on the planet? Yeah. Anyway, and then current events, Rick Warren, Obama, and Hillary. We'll show all the connections there. So I'll give you all the links to those teachings. Now, back to the article. For those who are skeptical that the Roman Catholic New Evangelization Program is overtaking Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel, we think you should listen to the short audio clip from a recent Pastor's Perspective radio show. In this clip, Chuck Smith is addressing questions about Catholicism. After listening, we think you will agree with us that the road to Rome has found its way into the Calvary Chapel movement. And it is time for its leaders to start taking spiritual deception very seriously. Now, I have some listeners that are in the Calvary Chapel movement, and they some of them have tried to kind of defend... They've admitted that there's problems, but they've also tried to kind of defend it as a, in a whole or in part, a little bit. The problem is, is if the head is sick... Chuck Smith, then the body's going to be sick. And a little leaven, or bad doctrine, leaveneth the whole lump. A little bit of yeast, that's all it takes to leaven the whole lump of bread. That's all it takes. If the foundations be destroyed, Chuck Smith, what can the righteous do? So, let's just listen to this little clip and, and, you know, you can render your own opinion. Okay, so again, this is a clip from a recent audio... Um, of a show called Pastor's Perspective Radio Show, uh, where you're going to hear Chuck Smith, you're going to hear the radio broadcaster, and you're going to hear a caller. So I'm going to go ahead and roll this clip right now here, if it will let me. All right, we're going to go to Ontario, California, talk to Beverly. Beverly, you're on Pastor's Perspective. Welcome. You have about a minute left, so if you can state your question. Yes, I have a question. Is it right for a Catholic woman to marry a Christian man, even though she's pregnant with his child? Okay, so is it right for a Catholic woman to marry a Christian man even though she's pregnant with his child? Is it right for a Catholic woman to marry a Christian man even though she's pregnant with his child? Here's Chuck's response. All right, Pastor Chuck. Well, I don't uh, see that... uh, Well, there's going to be difficulty, uh, you know, know, uh, but if you can resolve the differences... I don't think that they're that great, and I think that you probably... The differences between... uh, Okay, let's assume this is a saved person marrying a Catholic. The differences. Hmm. The Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Hmm. 
For what agreement hath Christ with Belial? Or a believer with an infidel? What is an infidel? A non-believer in the faith. In this particular case, the faith of the Bible. There's no biblical warrant ever for being married, if you're a Christian, marrying an unsaved person. If you're already married to them and you got saved, that's different. The Bible addresses those issues. And it doesn't say, you know, go out and just immediately demand a divorce or anything like that. It doesn't do that. But if you're not even, if you're saved and then you're marrying a Catholic, there's no Bible for that. Regardless if somebody's pregnant or not. You don't disobey the word of God because of extenuating circumstances, in other words. But good old Pastor Chuck seems to think it's okay to do that. And we'll, we're going to see why he really thinks it's okay in a second here. Uh, if you're pregnant with his child, you should marry him. And, uh, and of course, I think that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's all right. It can, uh, uh, you can resolve. Notice how sure he is of himself. I mean, the guy's stumbling around. This guy's been, like, what, a pastor for, like, decades and decades and decades. I mean, he's stumbling around. He can't even hardly get the words out of his mouth. Probably because he knows what he's saying is so unbelievably unbiblical, and he might be in the back of his mind thinking about all the backlash that's going to occur as a result of this little radio interview. It's all the differences, and I think that uh, it's, it's I do. I know of many uh, of that. You know, you know, the Catholics are basically Christians too, and uh, so so Catholics are basically Christians too. I'm so glad Pastor Chuck finally cleared that up for us. I don't think he would like to hear the study I'm doing right now. I don't think he would probably. It would be a you know a Chuck Smith approved type of study. I just doubt it based on the kind of content we're getting into. So anyway, according to the world according to Chuck, Catholics are Christians too. So uh, I think that, uh, you know, what the differences are are much less than uh, what a lot of people face and are overcoming in their marriages. I think the more important questions are, is he a good man and do they love each other? Mm-hmm. Tonight, Thanksgiving service... The more important right, questions. Go to Ontario. The more important questions are that: Is he a good man? Is 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 he a, is he a good? I mean, not in this case. Is she a good Catholic? Because you've heard that that thing, you know, before. A good Catholic, or a, you know, a good. Again, throw the Bible out the window. The Bible doesn't apply. All that matters is your heart. And if if it, you know, if a pastor tells you to do it, even if it contradicts the Word of God, just go ahead and disobey the Word of God and do whatever the pastor's telling you to do. Well, that's how most people in most religions would live their life. They wouldn't go by the Word of God because they don't even know what the Word of God says most of the time. They don't read it, or if they are reading it, they're reading a corrupt version. I'm not saying everyone. I'm saying, for the most part, that's pretty much the the norm. So, either we take a stand for apostasy, or we are against it. Confusing the sheep is not acceptable. It is time to swallow pride and do what is right. Now, this is, I'm going back to the article. Missler's son-in-law, Chuck Missler's son-in-law, Mark Bright, and I believe, I think he's the guy that is actually, was the one that said, as long as he's a good man, he's actually doing the interview. It's either him or somebody very closely related to that. Missler's son-in-law, Chuck Missler, whose name is Mark Bright, ran K-House, which is Chuck Missler's site, and just became executive vice pastor at Grace Chapel in Franklin, Tennessee. Grace Chapel is also a Calvary Chapel church. 
the Online Grace Chapel bookstore actually sells Jesuit Catholic materials. Just type in the word Jesuit in their bookstore search bar to find this out. Now, hopefully you're starting to see here how this subtle, not so subtle infiltration of the Catholic Church and promotion of the Catholic Church is starting to come out more and more and more with these supposed big guns of Christianity. You know, we've got now this tie-in with Chuck Missler's son-in-law. We've got all of the things that I have sent out recently via email and the teaching that I did on Missler. Uh, that's a whole other subject. How the, the yoking up with the Catholic Church there. Um, now we find out that Missler's son-in-law, Mark Bright, who actually ran Chuck Missler's site, K-House, or also known as Koinia House, just became executive vice pastor at Grace Chapel in Franklin, Tennessee, which is a Calvary Chapel church. Okay, Calvary Chapel, again, relating to Chuck Smith. And then you've got the picture that I just showed with Greg Laurie, Chuck Smith, and Rick Warren all sitting together, all buddying up. Hopefully this is starting to make, you're, you're connecting the dots here. Okay, They're actually selling Jesuit Catholic materials at this Grace Chapel, this Calvary Chapel church Website. I mean, it doesn't really, uh, you know, I mean, if you were a judge in a court of law, it's not looking good. It's not looking good at all. And then the stuff I've got into lately with Tom Horn at Raiders News Network. You know, all of these things that I keep compiling, all these disturbing articles that are coming straight from that ministry, it's not looking good. I'm sorry. I see all of this promotion now, some more subtle than others, of the Catholic Church. Adding and actually posting articles regarding the Catholic Church without actually condemning the Catholic Church. And it's as though, okay, you put an article up and, and you just put it up and you don't say anything. And you put it on your site and you're not condemning it. You're not really necessarily maybe totally endorsing it. But the very fact that you're not taking a stand is going to cause total confusion. This is a transcript of a, of a recent interview um, of a guy named, let's see here, well, Chuck Smith is in this interview, and then um, the guy that's actually doing the interview is Don Stewart. So, it starts out by saying, Don Stewart, all right, we're back on the phones uh, to Orange, California with Ben on the line. Ben, welcome to Pastor's Perspective. Now, that's the show we were just listening to. Maybe that guy was Don Stewart that we were hearing. It probably was. Anyway, then it, a guy named Ben says, um, Hi, how are you? Don Stewart says, Fine, thank you. Ben says, uh, I'm a loyal listener. I love going to uh, your men's conferences. Um, I'm, he just says, uh, a lot. Anyway, Don Stewart says, Good. And I fellowship with a bunch of people at Calvary Chapel. I visit Greg Laurie's Harvest. Okay, that was what we talked about earlier. Okay, and I have a question because I sometimes have a hard time understanding how I can communicate with people of the Protestant faith because I am a Catholic. Now, here's another guy calling in. The lady before was a pregnant Catholic lady that got pregnant by a supposed Christian. Not a lot of Bible for that either. Having babies out of wedlock, yoking yourself up with unbelievers. You know, I'm sorry, but there's not really a lot of Bible for that. Um, and I'm not saying because I think I'm Mr. Perfect or whatever. I'm just saying there's just not a lot of Bible for that, obviously. So, he says, 
So this guy, another guy, another Catholic calling into the show. Now these Catholics feel so comfortable knowing that they're not going to fall under any kind of conviction to get out of that whorish, terrible devil religion that killed at least 50 million plus people during the Inquisition. You know, and, and on and on and on. All the atrocities of the pedophile priesthood and the, and the bowing thyself down into graven images and the whole, all these false doctrines of like purgatory and the Eucharist and transubstantiation and all these abominations. Knowing that they're not going to say a word about that, these Catholics feel comfortable enough to call into this talk show with this Don Stewart and Chuck Smith. And it's pretty, you know, it's pretty, pretty sad when it, when it gets to that point. So he says, he's having a hard time communicating with people of the Protestant faith because I am a Catholic. And sometimes we have communication issues and they want to get into those apologetics. And you know, I love the worship and the fellowship with those, meaning Protestants, with the different people. But I'm going to hang on to my faith as well. And I'm just curious, what do you think about it? <laughs> I think we all know what I would say, but here's what they said. Don Stewart says, okay, good question there, Ben. In fact, we're glad you're going to these events. And we're glad you listened to this program. Okay, Chuck, what about that? So in other words, good old Don saying, you know, yeah, it's good. Just yoke yourself up with the Protestants and vice versa. And we're one big happy family. And how can we hammer this whole little trivial issue out, okay? Well, Chuck Smith says, Ben, I have a cousin. Now, this is a quote. Ben, I have a cousin who was a mother superior in the Catholic Church. And she was just a wonderful Christian. This is Chuck Smith quoting him. Loved her. And we had great conversations together. And I didn't try to convert her from Catholicism, nor did she try to convert me into becoming a Catholic. Well, they're both on the road to hell. Why would you want to try to convert them to one of your hellbound destinations? It really doesn't matter. They're both totally in false religion. Obviously, if this is Chuck Smith's chance, stance, he's, he's not saved. He cannot be. How, how, could, how could you really believe this and be saved? And again, we've done more and more and more. I keep covering Chuck Smith. And what we keep cover, uncovering is, is just wickedness. Wickedness and wickedness. So, he says she was a wonderful Christian. So, Chuck Smith truly does believe that Catholics are Christians. Which is just incomprehensible to me. That he would come out so boldly. But see, people, I believe, most people are so clueless and delusional at this point. Within the peoples that would call themselves Christian. That this isn't even going to offend them. It's not going to offend them. I'm not saying all, I'm not saying my listeners. But I'm saying for the most part, it's gotten that bad where this devil can come out and basically call a nun a Christian. Now, if you listen to that interview that I sent out not too long ago, last week actually, on Catherine, the, that nun that came out that escaped from this um, cloistered convent she was in where they were basically... Torture was the order for the day, every day, for decades. And the wickedness that went on, and the, and the priests raping the nuns, and, and how Mother Superior always went along with it, and just the, the torture that they had to endure, and the starvation, and all of the wickedness that went along with this. But she was a wonderful Christian. And the Mother Superiors, I guess, are the ones that are the most feared by all the nuns. Because they're the ones that have sold out to Satan the most of all. 
I didn't try to convert her from Catholicism, nor did she try to convert me into becoming a Catholic. This is unbelievable. What type of message is this sending to the body of Christ? It's confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. He's also not the author of a false gospel, which is what Chuck Smith is telling you he believes right here. He does not believe in the word of God. You cannot make those statements and say you believe in the word of God because those statements are contrary to the word of God. And then he goes on to say, it's just that we both recognize that you know we have, we have the same Lord. Yeah, you do. Satan. You're right. True. I agree. And then he goes on to say, and the same faith. True. False faith. False religion. The broad way which leads to destruction. You're right. Okay. And you know, and so we just, you know, on those things we agree upon, we just agreed upon, and we didn't really bring up those things where we're, where we have disagreements. End of quote. Boy, that's about as lukewarm and pathetic of a response as I've heard. But there it is. Good old Chuck Smith sold his soul to Satan, I believe, a long, long time ago. Long time ago. And it's just coming out. A lot of this evidence is just really, really coming out. I believe the Lord's allowing these things to be found out. Um, to a certain extent, maybe to counterbalance some of the strong delusion that people are under. You know, I, it's, it's horrific that we even have to... Uh, report on this stuff, but this is the state of affairs. Now, let's go to the next thing that, this is the, the article that I just found today. This is the front top article on Raiders News Network, Tom Horn. Okay, now I don't know where he's going to go with this because he doesn't say yay or nay on this article yet. Okay, and the way he's been going, I would be very, very, very surprised if he condemned this article. You go to his homepage right now, and he's promoting this specific article that is entitled, The Pope Highlights Mary's Role as the Woman of the Apocalypse. Now, I renamed it to Satan's Servant, the Pope, Highlights Mary's Role as the Woman of the Apocalypse. So I, I added a little on there, you know, to uh, give it a little extra flavor. Uh, <laughs> this is the... Top story, Raiders News Network. I saw this. I'm like, this totally relates to what we're talking about today. With this whole Marian apparition, Queen of Heaven, how that relates to the end time scenario, how it relates to the book of Revelation, how it relates to the strong delusion. It totally ties in. So had I got my study all done yesterday, and then this comes out today... I'm looking at it like, oh man, I wish I could have included that in my last study. The problem is, is it's going to add a lot onto the study, and I don't know how long this is going to take me to get through. Because this opens up a whole other can of worms, this subject that good old Pope Benedict just got into. Starts out by saying, Pope Benedict XVI reflected, now this is from the Catholic News Network, so nothing that we're reading here is Christianity. Okay, This is from... Basically straight from the throne of Satan, essentially. So, Pope Benedict XVI reflected on the biblical description of the woman clothed with the sun in his remarks at Rome's Spanish Steps on the 2011 Feast of the Immaculate Conception. He said, quote, What is the meaning of this image? 
Uh, meaning the, the woman clothed with the sun in Revelation, I believe it's 21. Uh, what is the meaning? And we're going to look at this. We're going to actually do, I didn't really want to do this today, but it so ties in with this that I've got to do it now. Um, not that I don't want to do it, it's just that I already had so much information to go over this week, and now adding this on is like, oh, wow. Uh, okay, I'll try. <laughs> so, um, what is the meaning of this image? It represents the church and Our Lady at the same time. The church and Our Lady, meaning the Queen of Heaven, the false Mary of the Catholic Church. And it also represents the church. Okay, now... Let me just go ahead before, I might as well just read what he's in reference to, and then we're going to go back to it. But I want you to understand that this is something where we don't want to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Revelation 12, 1, I'm sorry, I said 21, but it's 12, 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head of crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth in pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars together and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there for a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Okay, so, the, the Pope was attempting to unbiblically interpret this portion of Scripture. And, as usual, as anything in Catholicism typically does, falls flat on his face. But, because the Pope says that he is the vicar of Christ on this earth, that means, vicar means substitute, and that many people view the Pope as infallible, sinless, infallible, whatever you want to call him, that they won't question anything that he says, even if it contradicts the word of God. Which, there's so much that contradicts the word of God in the Catholic religion, you would just pretty much have to throw out your Bible to be a Catholic. you know, Or just blatantly ignore huge, huge portions. Of course, they have an American Standard Version, which you know is a perverted Bible anyway. So, what does he say this woman represents? He says it represents the church. And Our Lady at the same time. Our Lady meaning the false Marian the Pope told the crowd assembled before the nearby statue, commemorating the 1854 definition of a Mar Mary's Immaculate Conception. And then he goes on to say, quote, Before all, the woman of the apocalypse is Mary herself. Now he's relating how this Queen of Heaven, this false Mary, is going to have a lot to do with the end time revelation scenario. The 12th chapter of the biblical apocalypse, known uh, as the book of Revelation, describes the glorification and persecution of a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Now that's very important, that part. It does say that, but we're going to give you what that really means. And it doesn't mean Mary, the Marian, uh, the uh, Queen of Heaven, false Mary of the Catholic religion, doesn't mean that. Okay, and this is what they're trying to say. And it does, also doesn't mean the church either. 
So, though not named, this woman is described as the mother of the Messiah. So see how easy it is for the Catholic Church to say, well, listen, it's a woman, she bore the Messiah, it has to be Mary. Because isn't that who bore Mary on the... Hey, if you just look at this on the surface, you'd say, yeah, he makes a pretty good point. If, if you're not educated biblically about this matter. Okay, so it goes on to say, in a poetic language, akin to the Bible's other prophetic books, St. John says she has faced the threat of a huge red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and fled into the desert where she had to be had a place prepared of God. Pope Benedict off, offering white roses in his traditional yearly act of Marian veneration, meaning they're venerating or worshiping Mary. Okay, no Bible for that either, but he gave his listeners his insight into the connect, connection between Virgin Mary and the church, which neither of these things in Revelation 12, verses 1 through 6, means the Mary of the Bible or the church. Neither of them means it. He totally bats a zero. He's batting a zero. Whiffing at all the pitches that are thrown at him. Not even close. But it sounds good on paper if you are if you don't know any better, right? And we're, the Catholics are supposed to obey whatever he says anyway, so... Okay, so... He said there... He gave his listeners his insight into the connection between the Virgin Mary and the church portrayed in the Apocalypse through the single image of the sun-clad woman. She appears clothed in sunlight. That is, clothed in God, observed the Pope. The Virgin Mary is, in fact, completely surrounded by the light of God and lives in God. The Immaculate One reflects with all of her, her person and the light of the sun, which is of God. Notice how everything is totally Marian-centered. It's not Jesus Christ-centered. It's Marian-centered. Then he goes on to say, besides representing Our Lady, um, Our Lady is how they refer to her, capital O, capital L, like she's deity. Okay. Uh, besides representing Our Lady, this sign personifies the church, the Christian community of all times, he continued. Wrong again, Pope. Wrong again. And then he goes on to say, the church, he explained, is pregnant in the sense that she carries Christ and must give birth to him in the world. Again, total biblical illiteracy strikes again. Everything, every interpretation this devil gives you here are false lies. And we're going to prove it. Okay, We're going to prove it. I'm not just going to say that and not prove it. This is a labor of the pilgrim church on earth, that in the midst of consolations of God and the persecutions of this world, she must bring Christ to men. Again, wrong interpretation, totally, regarding these particular portions of scripture. Because the church continues to bring Jesus into the world, Pope Benedict said it finds opposition in a ferocious adversary, symbolized in scripture by the dragon that has tried in vain to devour Jesus and now directs his attacks against the woman who he says is the church, as well as, I guess, Mary, in the desert of the world. But in every age, the church is supported by the light and the strength of God. The Pope said she is nurtured in the desert with the beast and his word and the Holy Eucharist. Oh, we always have to bring the Eucharistic Jesus into this, of course. The only pitfall of which the church can and must be afraid is the sin of her members. So here is a guy that 
lives, I don't even know how to describe it. Sin of their members? This hypocritical devil from the pit of hell at the head of the Catholic Church who has his pedophile priesthood, his false works-based religion is going to have the audacity to say that the only pitfall of which the church can and must be afraid of is the sin of her members? I, 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 don't, even, I don't even have words for that. He warned this, highlighting the key difference between the church and the woman who is the prototype. While, now this is the Pope again, while in fact Mary is immaculate, meaning free from every stain of sin, the church is holy, but at the same time marked by its own sins. See, they view Mary as sinless, just like Jesus Christ was who walked upon this earth, the only person to ever walk the earth sinless. That's why he could pay our sin debt, because he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world who had never sinned ever. So he took upon us, he took upon himself our sins at the cross, okay, through his blood to pay our sin debt, okay? But they're saying that Mary was on the co-level of Jesus Christ and was also sinless. That's why they have said that she is the co-redeemer or the co-mediatrix between God and man. You have to go through Mary and in fact, you've got to go to Mary to get to Jesus in order to really be Catholicly saved. Of course, they don't even believe in that concept of salvation. Well, while sinless herself, Mary remains in solidarity with the church struggling against sin. That is why the people of God, pilgrims in time, turn to their heavenly mother and ask her for help. Turn to her heavenly mother? What rank blasphemy. Explain, this is what explained Pope Benedict. What a blasphemous devil. I pray God shut his devil mouth and that he be exposed for the devil liar that he is. Taking millions and millions and millions of people to hell buying into this unbiblical garbage. I mean, this should get you mad. I'm sorry. Righteous indignation is an attribute of God. Be ye angry and sin not. That's the hardest part of saying not once you're angry. Because this stuff makes me angry. I mean, he's taking people to hell. He's giving them a false gospel. What worse thing could you do to a person? All under the guise of this disgustingly putrefied, disgusting, evil, terrible religious system known as the Roman Catholic Church. Then it goes on to say, he stressed the world's need for the hope brought by the woman clothed with the sun. See, he's saying that the Mary of this particular verse, or this, this woman in this particular verse, is Mary, Our Lady, who they would also refer to as the Queen of Heaven. And she is going to come and have a big part in the whole end time redemption process with the church. And again, we're going to explain what that portion of scripture actually means in a very short period of time. But I'm letting him 
speak his mind first, and then I'll speak my mind regarding this particular issue. Or I'll let the Bible say what it says, essentially, what we're going to do. So, he stressed the world's need for hope through for the hope brought by the woman clothed with the sun, especially in this difficult moment for Italy, for Europe, and for different parts of the world. May Mary help us to see that there is light beyond the veil of fog that appears to envelop reality, he declared. And then he goes on to say, end by saying, For this also we, especially on this day, never cease to ask with filial trust for her help. O Mary, conceived without sin, conceived without sin, they have the audacity to say. Only Jesus Christ was conceived without sin. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to you. I mean, that, I I can't even not read that and not be infuriated. That is so blasphemous, so wrong, so unbiblical. What does the Bible have to say about this? Was, was Mary really immaculately, you know, conceived without sin and, and walked sinless on this planet just like her son, Jesus Christ? No, that's not what the Bible says. In fact, now I'm going to go right now to a track that Chick puts out called Why is Mary Crying? It's a really good track. We're going to read actually quite a bit of it because it's going to walk us through a lot of this. Then we're going to go back to that portion of scripture that we just talked about in Revelation 12. Because I cannot let the Pope say what he's going to say and then not do a Bible study. The problem is, is I just started to do this tonight. So, it's really a Bible study that requires a dedicated study. But I don't have the luxury of doing that. I really feel like compelled that I've got to include all this information together. Whether it's it's ten parts or five or three or however it's long it's going to be, I don't know. I'm going to be getting into some really, really heavy-duty Bible studies in the next, this week, the week after that, the week after that, probably Lord, Lord willing, time permitting. <sighs> Reading from this chick track, Why is Mary Crying? It's not the very start, but it's kind of more like near the front, or probably two or three pages in. It says, in Luke 1, 46-47, Mary had already admitted that she needed a Savior. So in obedience, she brought her sin offering of two turtle doves to the temple like all Jewish mothers. Now, if Mary was free of sin and had never sinned, why did she bring a sin offering? And Luke 2, 21-24... Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we are all together as an unclean thing, and we all do fade as a leaf. The thought of foolishness is sin, the Bible says. So, again, all have sinned. Well, she brought her sin offering. In Luke 2, 21-24, the scriptures say, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. The sin offering was actually literally, uh, under Jewish Levitical law, talked about in Leviticus 12, verses 6-8. through And once again, Mary obeyed the word of God by doing this. Remember, Jesus had not come yet. Um, then, this goes on to say, She saw her son crucified, but Jesus came to this earth as the Lamb of God. He shed his precious blood as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, including her own. 
Again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 Mary's tears should have ended here. Now, granted, we really don't know if Mary that's in heaven right now is aware of what's going on on planet Earth. We don't really know that. But they're saying in this track, Mary's tears should have ended there. But... Little did she know her heart would be broken again in a way she never expected. Mary is embarrassed because the people are bowing down to statues of her. Uh, Exodus 24 and 5 says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of the thing that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them. Now, conveniently enough, this is the very commandment that the Catholics have removed in the Catholic Ten Commandments. And they split either the ninth or 10th commandment in two so that they still have 10. I'm not making this stuff up. They really did that. They took out this commandment about not bowing yourself down under graven images. Well, they couldn't have that commandment in there because they got all their statues that they bow down to. They got all their pagan idolatry. So, you know, they couldn't have that. Mary of the Bible would not be a part of this. Then it goes on to say, Mary sheds tears because men call her the mother of God. Mother, capital M, God, you know, like a deity. And then it goes on to say, if you were to, if you were actually to be able to interview Mary regarding this particular subject, it has a picture of her and it says, when Christ created the universe, I was not there. The word of God says, speaking of Jesus, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. John 1, 3. Christ is divine. I am only human. When Christ chose to put on humanity, I was the chosen vessel to bring him forth in the form of a man, but Christ was God long before I was born. <laughs> so, yeah. Then it goes on to say, Mary weeps because men teach she was really sinless. <laughs> Isn't that what we just heard <laughs> from, from the good old Pope? She, it goes on to say, like if you're, they were able to interview her, if you speak about the Lord Jesus as being without sin, then you are correct. God says of Jesus on the cross that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. But the rest of us born on this planet, the scriptures say, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And then it goes on to say, look to Jesus, not me, meaning Mary, uh, the scripture says, he did no sin, neither was any guile found in his mouth, according to 1 Peter 2.22. Mary is crying for the deceived multitudes who look to her as a mediatrix and pray to her. She's like the go-between, between Jesus and her and humanity. you got to go through Mary to get to Jesus. And then, if they were able to interview her, there are not two mediators, only one. Read carefully what the scriptures say. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Going further, beloved, if you've been lied to, I'm not the mediatrix or the mediatrix. Jesus loves you. You must trust in him. He's the only one that can go to be as the mediator between God and man. If you have read this, and this is true, if you have 
if what you have read is true, and certainly it is, according to the word of God, then who is deceiving you? Surely God isn't. If Mary cannot intercede for you, if Mary cannot answer your prayers, if Mary isn't the queen of heaven, if Mary is not presented as she is in the Bible, then it is possible that millions of people throughout the centuries are praying to someone who isn't at all who they think she is. See, that's the whole essence of this. It's a devil or a fallen angel they're praying to masquerading as this angel of light spirit. And the Bible says it's no marvel if Satan can transform himself into an angel of, of light. It's no marvel if his ministers can trans, not transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. So it's sure no stretch for a fallen angel to do it. God does not play tricks on his people, though. Please read carefully the following pages in, um, where you will spend eternity hinges on this. Now, this is if you were a Catholic reading this track, or worshipping Mary, or whatever. Satan knew Jesus would leave heaven and be born of a virgin to become the Savior and the mediator between God and man. So he devised a wicked plan to confuse the people into putting their trust into a counterfeit virgin, virgin that Satan created. After Noah's flood, the survivors multiplied and built the great city of Babylon. Satan found his, quote, virgin. Now remember, this is the counterfeit virgin. This is the zeitgeist virgin version of this virgin. <laughs> Sorry, it's a play on words there. But, um, I've done the whole teachings on the zeitgeist. You can key that in. This is this is the big zeitgeist argument. Oh, this is, Jesus is just a knockoff of all these pagan sun god deities and Tammuz, Nimrod, and Semiramis and all this stuff, and you're, you're, you've just got it all wrong. No, no, you've got it all wrong. And we proved that. But this is where it started here. After Noah's flood, the survivors multiplied and built the great city of Babylon. Satan found his virgin, a beautiful witch named Semiramis, and, she, and he used her to put untold millions into hell. Semiramis became, became the queen of Babylon and married Nimrod. Historically, he was called the husband of his mother. Ew. That is beyond incomprehensible. But you would think that if you were going to have the most wicked person on the planet, that would be something that there would be no problem for them. You know? Ugh. Anyway, Satan used them both to create a satanic cult so powerful that it spread around the world, and the multitudes looked to Semiramis as their goddess mother. Semiramis and Nimrod came up with the idea of confessionals and the celibacy for the priesthood. This is where it all first started. This is truly where the Roman Catholic priesthood started. All the way back in Babylon, where they had confessionals and celibacy for the priesthood. See, there's no Bible for that. There's no Bible for a celibate priesthood or confessionals. You know? You confess your sins to God. To Father God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that's where we go. The Bible does say confess your faults one toward another, but it doesn't say confess your sins. It's a different deal altogether. Um, so let's go further. Nimrod was called by many names, including, because Jesus Christ is the only one that can absolve you of those sins, the only one that can cover your sins through, the, through his blood that he shed on the cross. Okay, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness in 1 John 1. So, going further, Nimrod was called by many names, including Molech. Babies were sacrificed in his honor. When Nimrod was put to death, the people wept. Huh. Yeah, okay, uh, that's some sick stuff there. Semiramis 
move quickly to take advantage of this situation. One of the numerous, um, they show a, a um, picture of Semiramis and her child, okay, which is one of the numerous monuments of Babylon that have been unearthed. Okay, so the whole mother-child thing, the, the whole thing that the Catholic Church has going on, that actually started back in Babylon. Now, what the Catholic Church has done is they say, oh, this is the Mary of the Bible and Jesus, baby Jesus. But see, back in Babylonian times, it was Semiramis and Tammuz. Satan's phony virgin gave birth to another child and claimed that Nimrod had been reincarnated. I mean, man, he, he really uh, he got reincarnated quick. And the child was called Tammuz. He became the sun god. Remember I said about December 25th, Saturnalia is the birth date, supposedly the birthday of the sun god Tammuz, not the son of God, as the Catholic Church would want you to believe. It was always known as the birth of the sun god Tammuz. I understand there's some, there's some question regarding dates that have been moved around from a pagan standpoint, but you get what I mean about the actual origin of Saturnalia, which now we're known as good old Christmas. So, she became a goddess with many names such as Balalti, the Madonna, the great goddess mother, the queen of heaven, the mediatrix, the mother of mankind, Astarte, etc., etc. Uh, also, then we have the whole man, uh, mother, child thing. We have Devakita and Krishna. We have Isis and Horus. We have Indarani and child. These are different various religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, paganism, paganistic religions, Egyptian, that all have the mother-child thing happening. Okay? They're all false versions. They're all different flavors of the same deception. As time went on, monuments of the goddess and her child appeared in many nations. Because when the people of Babylon were scattered to various parts of the earth, they took with them the worship of the divine mother and child. Satan had successfully set up his own deadly religion long before Jesus was born. The earth was in darkness. So this is how this, these different flavors of the mother-child got sent to all corners of the world. And they all keep reoccurring because they were all together at the Tower of Babel. And God separated them and confounded their languages there. That's how it originally started. Very interesting stuff. I mean, not from a good standpoint, but interesting in how this all happened. Then it has another chart here. Uh, we've got Babylon and Semiramis and Tammuz being the original satanic knockoff of the modern day um, Really, not knockoff. Everything was was a knock was a pagan knockoff of that, a pagan counterfeit of Semiramis and Tammuz. In China, she was known as Shing Mo, the Holy Mother. In India, Devakia, Devaki was the goddess, and Krishna was the child. In Ephesus, it was Diana, the mother of the gods, identified with Semiramis. In Egypt, it was Isis, the goddess mother, and Horus, the child. Okay. In Greece, it was Aphrodite who was the goddess, also known as the Mediatrix. In Rome, it was Venus was the goddess and Jupiter was the child. In Israel, it was Ashtaroth the goddess and Baal is the child. Now, I don't mean biblical Israel. I'm talking about when they went into paganism. And that was, you just look at Judges 2.13 for the reference there. So, understand, this is the, this is the whole thing that this zeitgeist movement bases itself off of. They're like, see, it's just nothing more than a 
than a pagan knockoff. This whole thing. Well, from, and then they point to the Catholics. And they're right about the Catholics. But don't lump me in with the Catholics. Don't lump Bible-believing Christianity and the Jesus Christ of the Bible, my Lord and Savior, or Mary of the Bible in with your whole zeitgeist lies and their uh, heresies because it's so convenient for you to do that. Because you haven't done your homework, Mr. Zeitgeist man. And that's what they love to do. Just lump us in with the Catholics. And then they can point to all the Catholic hypocrisy about all the people that they've killed, the pedophile priesthood, which they're right about, and say, see, these Christians are, are even worse than, than, than any of the pagans that they supposedly condemn. Yeah, the Catholics are, but don't let me in with them. So, even in Tibet, China, and Japan, the Jesuit missionaries were astonished to find the counterpart of the Madonna and her child as devoutly worshipped in papal Rome itself. So, in other words, wherever these Jesuit Catholic devil missionaries went, they found this same concept wherever they went. The mother-child worship thing. Why? Because they had learned at the Tower of Babel, God confounded their languages, sent them to the four corners of the earth, essentially, and they brought that same religion with them, but it was a different flavor everywhere they went. So, going further, it has been recorded that even in Africa, the great mother and the child received divine honors. Worldwide, the adoration was so strong among the pagans that they would not forsake their mother goddess. When Roman Catholicism came into existence around 300 AD, I was a little bit after that, but 319 actually, when Constantine... uh, Anyway, but go ahead, uh, going further. The leaders knew if they could adopt the worship of the goddess mother into their religious system, then countless pagans would convert to Catholicism. True. But who would replace the great mother of paganism? In the supposed Catholic, Roman Catholic Church. Who would do that? Well, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was the only logical person. Little by little, the worship of the pagan goddess was transferred to Mary. The ancient Babylonian religion depicted the goddess mother as the only one who could control her son. Remember how I said that's how they portray them in the Boston Catechism, where all the little Catholics are brainwashed? Well, same thing. Even in Babylonian religion, that was how it was portrayed. And, so the same satanic idea was incorporated into Catholicism. Jesus is is very angry, and only Mary can appease him. And so the Catholics are afraid of the loving Savior, and they believe only Mary can get them into heaven. This angry Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible who said, Come unto me, come unto me, all ye that are labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight And, also, Jesus said, And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. John 6.37b, meaning the second half of the verse. The mother of God that Catholics worship is not the Mary of the Bible. Satan has successfully deceived them into worshiping this counterfeit goddess, the Queen of Heaven. Oh man, I'm really over on time here. Okay, I'm going to have to stop here because I'm way over on time, and we're going to go to part three next.